Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Baby Metal Podcast. It's January 20th, 2019, for most of us here as we record. And this podcast is a place where we gather on something like alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. However, this episode, and in fact the next episode, are special insofar as we are discussing the graphic novel Apocrypha, The Legend of Baby Metal. So if you are still waiting to read this and do not want to have the contents spoiled, because that is what we're talking about, is the contents, then come back and listen to this later. It will still be there. That's the beauty of podcasts. So we talked for such a long time that I have gone back and re-recorded this intro, just so that I can tell you that we are going to split it into two sections. So uh, the next two episodes, the one you're about to hear and the one that will come out after this, will be about sort of going through the story of the graphic novel and trying to interpret what is there. So let's dive in here to the, the beginning of this. Uh, I am Paul, and I am joined today by Kevin. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks. And Garrett. Hello. And Vars. Hello. Okay, so everybody, I hope, has their copy in hand of the yes. graphic yes. novel. The Bible is open. <laughs> I have, uh, I, I was discussing this earlier with the, you know, the team here, and uh, I, I actually have the big one, uh, and I was originally planning to, you know, sort of revel in it as I recorded, but uh, the problem is it's actually, it's too big. <laughs> it's, it's inconvenient <laughs> to hold. You have the tome edition. Yes. It is really nice, though. I mean, like, I think we haven't really talked about the graphic novel at all, even including that. Um, uh, but it is, it's big, the pages are heavy, uh, it's, you know, the, the cover is nice. They don't, and, and mine managed to arrive, uh, relatively undamaged. That was one thing that was kind of a, uh, an issue a couple people had was that it was not in a particularly well, um, secured package, but, uh, but it's nice. Uh, it is really nice. I'm happy to have it, but anyway, I want to read them my little one. <laughs> So <laughs> easier practicality. So, so I think uh, we have done more preparation for this episode than we have for all of the other episodes combined. <laughs> I, I believe By that is probably true. Um, so everybody's indeed yeah. felt like I was in college again. Yes. <laughs> what fun. Uh, but yeah, so, so um, we, I, I think what we're going to do, we haven't really coordinated ourselves ahead of time apart from, just thinking that what we will do is roughly go through, I think, you know, from, from beginning to end, just as a way to kind of remind ourselves of what things are happening and what things we want to mention. Uh, we are assuming that everybody has read it, uh, and, you know, particularly ourselves, we have, we have read it. And so there's no, there's no problem with connecting something that we're looking at in an earlier part of the book to something later. If, you know, if this reminds you of something that's in Chapter 7, we'll talk about that. When, when it comes up. So we don't have to go in sequential order, but the sequential order will at least remind us of the stuff to say. So uh, I think that makes the most sense. Uh, I did have, I did have sort of thoughts on the overall cosmos, but maybe that'll, maybe that'll kind of, I'll let that kind of evolve because I think um, there are confusing things to say. <laughs> yeah, it. for sure. But so um, it's, it opens it opens with i think a, a kind of a nice uh, a nice page you know it says to the best fans in the world which nice i gesture. can't disagree i agree <laughs> <laughs> so that I, I sort of feel like i understand it up to that page <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so i don't know um if if i'm not sure how we how we should start i think i i the first few pages have a fair amount of content about the cosmos in it. So, um, yeah, if, uh, Garrett, it sounded like you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, on the on the first page where it talks about who the, who the fox god is, it says the fox god is a shapeshifter of superior intellect and compassion was given their responsibility by the higher order. I don't, the book doesn't really explain who the higher order are. Do we have any theories of what that is or if we'll ever even know yeah that's i mean so so already you've hit like one of the questions i had too this is um you know the fox god is not at the top of the hierarchy here 
The fox no. guy's like a local governor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it sort of seems to me like the the higher order is kind of responsible for the universe as a whole, and the fox guy is kind of localized to Earth. <laughs> the task of governing the world of man. Says well, right on the next line. Yeah, it's a theme we see in a lot of mythology, right? Um, many gods ruling disparate, different aspects of humanity. You can look at Greek culture and Greek gods, Roman gods, gods that serve different purposes within the universe. Um, so yeah, my interpretation of all of that is, you know, we're looking through the eyes of the fox god, who is responsible for, like you said, things on Earth. It is interesting. So the fox god is a shapeshifter of superior intellect and compassion. I I wondered who, compared to who, <laughs> you know, I was like who are the who are the less uh, intellectual and compassionate uh, that the fox god was chosen over to? Um, wasn't the, the entire man? Well, I <laughs> think I mean the, I would imagine the peers are more more the you know whatever the fox god is. Yeah. Well, that's a trope of foxes too, right? You know, what the, what's the expression? Um, sharp as a fox, smart as a fox. Right? Mm -hmm. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Navaris, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I think maybe even against the vulture god. Who knows? But yeah, I was I was wondering that too. Like, is the vulture god sort of a peer of the fox god? I mean, that's what was confusing because... The, like, the vulture god just comes out of nowhere and is like the enemy against every everyone, and there's I no motive think, to that at all. I think it's because it was the natural imbalance of good and evil. I think I don't know where exactly it came from, but it was the it was the outcome of an imbalance of good and evil. The good being the um what's it called? I have it. That the thing they wear around their neck to make the fox god war around his neck. Mm-hmm. What's it called? It's just an A. Hagimat. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I could not remember the name of it to save my life, but that was the cause of the of the vulture god to come into existence at all. But yeah, it doesn't really answer where he came from exactly. So I, I don't even know if that. I'm not sure if I know even how to formulate this or if I find this. I don't know. I I had a kind of confusion about well it's either my confusion or it's a confusion in the work um about what what these combative forces are you know so, so it says you know it starts off by saying you know there's always been good and evil in the universe right um yeah. and there's a balance and this is that that it seems like is fairly common a common thought that like particularly when you think about good good is kind of defined in a sense in opposition to evil so you need evil in order to to sort of show what the boundaries of good is or something yes are but um the so so that all kind of makes sense but at the same time you know so you can you can kind of see why good might not want to eradicate evil in a sense because that sort of defines good but i don't it doesn't seem good. to me like it should go the other way right yeah, like, like the whole story falls along of it of it being a balance, and that that could be a reason why they can't actually get kill the the um the vulture god each time they fight. Right, but I so the the conceptual weirdness I have with this is just that I don't think it doesn't seem to me like you know fundamentally to what our understanding of what evil would be that it would say oh you know I want to make sure that I keep good around because I'm only defined in respect to good. It sort of seems like it's more one directional, like. Evil would just as soon take over everything because that's just what it is to be evil. <laughs> yeah, there's like no motive. <laughs> so, so the thing specifically, the thing that I thought was weird was that, um, that you know it says in like box three, only those with empathy for both sides can broker peace. And I'm like, I understand the idea, except that I don't understand why evil would be at all interested in any sort of peace. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Um, I'm not sure that uh, I, I think it's possible I won't take that any further at the moment, but I know that that was one thing that was kind of bugging me all along is like, mm -hmm. I understand the balance and yet I don't understand what evil's get, getting out of this. Yeah. But it also says on the next page here, um, hence the Fox God created the metal resistance, the elemental spirits, mm -hmm. um, whose charge it was to govern the balance of the good and evil on earth. 
um, it was so they also hit their job to basically fight the um, the, the vulture god all along. That was their entire purpose. Right, and I think that sort of makes sense, but um, but I just don't quite understand this idea of like brokering peace between good and evil, you know, followed by like the very lower edge of the the you know the page before that, that now the fox god's like trying to win a war. Like, is he brokering peace? Is he going to war? What is he doing? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, well, brokering peace, brokering peace to me doesn't have to mean literally, in the literal sense, brokering peace. Um, what we know about, you know, where a lot of the story probably came from is, uh, you know, Koba's enjoyment of Star Wars. So I'll use that as a reference. <laughs> and I will say it was the function of the Jedi to broker peace in the galaxy. And sometimes they did that through war, through fighting the Sith and bringing mm-hmm. balance to the universe. So brokering peace. So compulsory could simpl- peace. Compulsory <laughs> peace. Yeah. So <laughs> brokering peace could simply be the fight between good and evil to maintain a balance. So it's not necessarily that evil has something to gain from peace. The war is ongoing and the mm-hmm. brokerage is the fight. Yeah. And that's probably, that probably is in fact what's going on, <laughs> but all right. Yeah. It, so there's just a ton of stuff on these pages. These two pages we were looking at, is there, is there more that people wanted to add to that? I find it interesting on the bottom right-hand side of the page where it explains the elemental spirits. It looks like one of the masks they wear during in the name of of the recent tour. That one, is likely the, by design. The one with the the fire breathing rooster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't get much with that. Uh, not much with the fire chicken. <laughs> just that yeah. one little panel. Yep. There's also <laughs> I like the bear in the upcoming chapter. The bear? Is it yeah, there's a bear yeah. that re- reappears throughout the story. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll say this a lot, but the art really is spectacular. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's ima- it's it's amazing. I'd buy a poster of any page. Honestly. Yeah. That's actually one other nice thing that, that the um the big one actually did come with three sort of separate posters as well. So the small ones, they have a small one, I think, in the back or whatever that is, like a random piece of artwork. Yeah, there's like a little cutout thing right next to the QR code that's got like a full piece of art, piece of art on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's true. <laughs> I didn't notice it at first either. I wonder if people are really going to take that out. I mean, I guess so. I, I, I kind of plan on it. Yeah. I kind of want to, kind of don't. <laughs> no, just to buy another set. <laughs> Oh, that's, oh boy. that's the way Give, this is supposed boy, to work, boy, right? So on to yeah. chapter one. Yeah, so I mean, I guess at this point we have, although I mean, like this is probably clear, uh, we have established that there are essentially there are essentially three powers. There's the silencing, the quelling the silence of death with sound, meeting fire with ice, and meeting ice with fire. Yes, which mostly continues throughout. So. For the most part. It- I, it gets infusing to, later in the book, I think, for me anyway, but it stays true to the end goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. Anyway, so the the cosmos setting set chapter zero, <laughs> I guess is. Was we'll there anything else I wanted to say? I don't know. No, I'll, I'll probably I'll remember. The second page of chapter two with the fish, my favorite page, for sure. <laughs> Chapter two. Boy, you jumped way ahead. Chapter one. Chapter one. My bad. Chapter one. Page two. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. Yes. Fish panel. But okay. Chapter one. Let us let us move on to chapter one. Uh, so what did I have to say about this? Uh, I mean, it's very specific about the location and date. It is Shimotsuke Province, Japan, 1640. Uh, and I don't know. Did did anyone do? historical research i there was a, a i should maybe note that there was a reddit post by plastic metal that did a little bit of um like looking into some quick uh you know sort of quickly produced internet research on some of these things so i i read that but i don't know if anyone else has done anything further i spent about a half an hour googling the the dates and locations to see if i could tie anything together and i'll, I'll let you know up front that i didn't really find a whole lot um if i figure out a way to tie it in, I will let us know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, 
it seems to me like the story tells itself. Um, there was so in this in this area, there was a copper mine, the Ashio copper mine, uh, which much later in like the 1880s was the source of a big environmental disaster that that you know is like killing a bunch of fish and right. and causing famines and things. But that's obviously not what's being referred to here because it's like 200 years earlier. <laughs> but it could be. But it's the same place, so it could be could have sort of related. It's probably inspired by it. Yeah. Maybe. That's very likely, given what happens. Yeah. You know, we we were talking about the prologue where the vulture god came from, and we get that origin in this chapter. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, I guess it's not. There's there's a fair amount of narration just through the the imagery. You know, the, there's a mine yeah. and there's fire and smoke and you know ecological uh, imprudence. <laughs> Yeah, I remember reading. Else? Go ahead. I was gonna say I remember reading in the AMA, the uh, graphic novel team did that they drew a lot of inspiration from current events, and sprinkled them throughout the book. Um, I'm guessing this chapter is one of them. I'm, I'm gonna guess climate change or other negative impacts humanity is having on the planet, and <laughs> especially with I can see that. The panel's saying uh, the endeavors of man rarely lack consequence, and that consequence yeah. is what inevitably leads to the creation and free freedom of the vulture god. Mm-hmm. I think they do say they do say in here somewhere that that this is that essentially what mankind did was destroy the planet. <laughs> you know, that was yes. the thing that was that was um, releasing, the, empowering the vulture god. Right. Can, does anybody else think that like the first group, that the one that's shown in chapter one, is like the closest in appearance to the current base metal? Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. The, ne- the next two generations, supposedly. It's sort of. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's the the the, the um what's her name the. Sayo, uh, um, yeah, that's Sayo has the same hairstyle as Sue Metal. But the other two don't really share much resemblance to the others, but neither do any of the other elemental-powered people in the rest of the book. They don't share anything in common with them. She also has, like, this uh, voice thing going on. Like, a voice power. Like, Sayo is the power of air born from her voice, so it's probably inspiration from Sue. Yeah, but... I think that's also portrayed in the next generation too, and I don't think so as much in the final one towards the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think in the in the in the Reddit AMA there was at least some kind of acknowledgement of the fact that it was non-accidental that the character names start with the same letter as the romanization of each of those each of the three baby metal. Yeah, you know, I noticed members. that too. And I think they, you know, you can kind of, I think you can kind of say that the character matches you know that that sayo the the power of voice is kind of sue metal and that and you know a fire and lack of control <laughs> might be moa yeah for sure <laughs> metal's ice cold stone cold yeah um i didn't finish looking them up but they also mentioned in the ama that the names are not an accident Right. Um, if you look up yeah. each name's meaning, and I'm quoting here, you'll see that it ties to a personality trait that we felt each girl embodied. For example, Yoshino means respectful, good. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that, I didn't. I did not finish. I may have even copied and pasted that into my notes, and then yeah, didn't fully read that. Um, <laughs> the uh, right, cool. Right, and, and yeah, in the same line, they also confirmed that Seiyo Yoshino and Mikio. Miko are, in fact, go along with the Romaji spelling for each of their names. Right, right. So, yeah, maybe maybe it is starting at a point where it's closest, but it's still... Yeah, I don't know. I can't entirely disagree that they look more like more like the actual people we know. But... I'll be honest, like, before I started seeing a lot of pictures, like, the leaked pictures, the teaser pictures, I almost believed that it was actually, like, a comic book based on, like, the current generation of baby metal. Consisting of Sue Metal, Moa Metal, and Yui Metal. Yeah, when but, I but when I'm I saw cool the the picture of like the the three girls like all all next to each other, I was thinking yeah, like 
that's baby that's metal. The last page. <laughs> I was, That's the I was thinking page, like there's one. Yui, there's Mole, there's Sue, you know, but that was only a teaser, so. Right. Oh, there were a ton of people who said that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, you know, whatever. I, I was skeptical throughout that we actually were going to get them in here, but, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I sort of remember kind of like repeatedly and annoyingly saying, you know, we don't know this. We don't know this. We don't know that's them. <laughs> but Only the uh, fox god knows. Right. So I've done some quick internet foo, and I have some possible meanings for the other names. Um, we have Yoshino mm -hmm. as respectful and good. I have Miko as beautiful child derived from u, me, beautiful, and ko, child. Um, it could also mean shrine maiden. Mm -hmm. And Seyo, mostly in Japanese, born at night. Hmm. All right. There are, because, you know, I don't, obviously don't speak the language, there could also be some kanji out there and some other meanings behind those names, but those are my quick and dirty Google, Google search results for coming up with those names. Excellent. All right. So let's see. So, so we have the beginning is sort of set up by this environmental disaster killing some fish and releasing you know some sort of terrible monster that comes from the comes from the deep and everything goes black and then we have sort of this cut to a scene of it'll turn out to be Sayo kind of like wandering injured along what appears to be a mountain ledge um unclear exactly how that how the how we got from step 1 to step 2 and I uh, I think my my understanding, at least, is that as she's walking along this ledge, the ledge cracks, and then the rest of it, or at least a lot of this rest of the uh, chapter, is a flashback to kind of how we got to that point. Yeah, um, that was geez. my interpretation as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, right. I suppose this maybe maybe that's what this is. Is she's wandering along this ledge before they have become reunited. But after the fight that we're about to hear about, yes, we're getting into the fight now. Yeah, uh, part of the clue of that is that you know we actually have little subtitles. You know, I don't know to what extent people were paying attention to those, but um, chapter one is poisoning the earth. The vulture god awakens. A battle told through memory. So, hence you know the flashback. Yeah, a perceived loss and reunion, which we'll get to. Um, I took a note on this page where she's falling down the ledge or the cliff or whatever the um hmm. the text we get falling, falling, is falling, falling falling failing fallen my first thought was oh, yeah. elevator girl question mark <laughs> going down down and down 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 <laughs> it's probably oh. not connected it might not mean anything but i thought it was interesting but you never know yeah but i thought it was an interesting in cadence and syllables in relation to the lyrics we have for that song. That's, I did not notice that it said failing, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it said falling, falling, falling. <laughs> we did sort of jump past the, the, um, the whole battle, although, I mean, I think that there's probably not much to say about the battle. I mean, there's, there's kind of like thwacking and ogging and, they ended up using like all the power of all three of them to defeat him and get away. Yeah, I think that's probably what it's meant to do, that's right? It's to, to show it, us yeah. their powers. Yeah. So there, I, I, actually, I did have a couple. Of, you know, so they they do use uh, uh, like I think we get a, a, like an ice ray, which allows uh, Sayo to use the sword to cut off a hand or something like that. Um, and then Sayo uses the the voice thing. Uh, which kind of like knocks it back, but then the I'm trying to find this where where was this? But um, it, it seemed like they were they were kind of uh, I wish I could figure out where where I was what I was referring to. But anyway, they they um they make this decision like oh you know we we have to use this power even though you know like we have no choice but to use this great power. And what I was not clear on is. What's the downside? <laughs> you know, like, what is it that they are giving up by using this great power? And it seems to me like the only thing I could think of was that 
um, the Miko character actually doesn't have it very well under control. So, um, so she can use the sun power, but it just like knocks everything out, and right. you know we go to black, and fall down cliffs. Miko holds the power of the sun within her heart. Her struggle is one of control. So, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then they get separated and found by animals. Uh, and someone. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of the like. One gets found by a monkey, and one gets found by a deer, and then one gets found by a bear. And I don't know if those actual animals are significant either. There might um, there might be some connection. I'll look into it. Yeah, I there probably is. This thing is so deep in yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at, at that all. It, yeah, and I'll be honest. Um, I've read this you know three or four times now preparing for this episode, and I did not catch that. On any of those read-throughs. Oh, you mean the, the like, animals? <laughs> well, I, obviously I recognized that there were animals there, but I didn't connect the <laughs> right. dots that they were each created by a different animal. Yeah, and the animal sort of um, brought them to, together, I think. Yeah. something. Uh, yeah. When compassion rules your soul, the world is your friend. Uh, those who have helped will return the favor. Your service has not gone unnoticed. And then, so I'm gathering that the, the animals are the ones who are noticing the service. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, uh, anyway, but yeah, so I know the first time I read through this, I sort of felt like, um, they weren't wandering alone very long. I mean, you know, there's like, everybody gets a frame of being alone and then they've already found each other. (laughs) Yeah. There's no sense of time. They did say something about this in the AMA that, um, you know, they were surprised a little bit when they actually read the proof copy and discovered that, yeah, actually it, uh, it goes by really fast. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, and I almost wonder if the story would have benefited from multiple volumes or mm-hmm. a thicker book. Yeah, quite yeah I'm starting to think that after reading it, there's going to be more. <laughs> I think there's a lot, a lot of stuff that like, that can be expanded on. I'd like to note that the last page of chapter one is the famous, the leaked photo or the teaser photo for the comic. Yep, yep, and that's also one of the ones that gets included as a poster too. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, uh, right, the the they're reunited. Um, you know, the the uh, Sayo and. Who's he, who is it? Yoshino, I guess. Find each other. Just sort of, they each, you know, like the, whatever the monkey and the deer bring them together. Yes. And uh, then a bear shows up with with uh, Miko, who says, "Uh, she's feeling a little burnt out." <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but then but then there's this this narrator that I don't I don't know where the narrator is, but the narrator. Is it the animals? I don't know. I, I, was the air? I would assume that the narrator was the fox god. But it's talking to them. Like, so they're, they're, it's saying, you know, like, oh, yeah, we have an explanation now. Yeah, the fox god appears eventually and talks to them. So yes. I think it I might think say who actually is the narrator. Like always. I think the narrator is like something like the prophet of the fox god or something like that. I think it says at the start. Oh yeah, and I would. I guess. I guess what I'm just wondering is, uh, I assumed that the time has come now, my daughters, that I owe you an explanation was being like spoken to the girls and perceived by them. Oh, I get. I get. Yeah, I didn't understand who was speaking in that box either. Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was Mikos, like or something that said that, but yeah, I did not take that in. Interesting. So now we get the explanation. That's very exciting. Chapter two. Yeah, well, before we move on, I'm I'm rereading those last three panels. The narration, Mm -hmm. you know, is the world has now shown you its true self. You have seen good and you have seen the face of pure evil. And we have all three animals hanging out with each other. The monkey's riding the bear. The bear's mouth Mm -hmm. is open. So (laughs) is is the bear or the animals speaking to them? You know, maybe they're Mm -hmm. spirits in the same universe or galaxy or in the same vein as the fox god. It's like a spirit animal, right? This uh, that was what I thought. My like in my notes, 
I wrote animals question mark say the right. world is now showing you. But um We'll go with that. I, I guess. Okay, so yeah, chapter two, reanimation, the seven avatars of vessel, secrets of the past, the mission, pinwheel singularity. As a as a preview. Those are actually pretty helpful. Uh, they, they, really give a, they give give a good time reference, giving the year that each one mm -hmm. takes place in, starting in chapter three. Right. But let's not get ahead of myself here. So yeah, here here again, I think in this chapter there's a, a fair amount of confusing stuff about the cosmology. <laughs> but for sure. Uh, I guess yeah. But so we get this. We get this. I, the art here is great. I mean, not that it hasn't been, but I I really like the. The you know the green themed fox bush thing. I like how it develops throughout the chapter, like developing with a skull and the rib cage. Mm -hmm. The they there was some discussion in the AMA also about uh, the color themes. You know that that it uh, was definitely a conscious choice too, as the you know each chapter has kind of a color theme, and you can sort of see that. So this is a very sort of naturey green. Chapter. Yeah. But okay, so it says water that flows like blood, fire that awakens the soul, air that fills the lungs. Okay, so we've now just talked about like the three powers, right? That the the this bush turning into a fox is reciting. And then it says seven facets of our one eternal self. And at that point I went what? <laughs> seven, the chosen seven. What, what were we counting? Uh oh. We're counting the number oh. of backup dancers. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I assume that's presumably they're talking about the these <laughs> avatars, right, at that point? Uh, I think so. They listed three things and then said seven, so it presumably doesn't... If they're not counting things like water, fire, and air. <laughs> um, I forget. Are there seven characters in the distortion video? There are. Yeah, yeah. there are. Well, there it is. That's yeah. what I'm... Solved. <laughs> so it's yeah. reference to that, obviously. I think so. That was my yeah, first I, thought. I it, think it was everybody's first thought after all the Chosen Seven law. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think the... Um, uh, there's some... Con I mean, so again, this was addressed in the AMA that there was um, you know, some similarities in, you know, between the world that is being shown in the videos and the songs, I guess, and the the stuff that we're hearing about in the novel, but they essentially were just saying, um, in the AM, in the AMA, they were saying that this, they weren't exactly connected, but there's, there's obviously Koba in the middle, right? So it's not that surprising that we would have that kind of similarity from there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, actually th there are a couple of places in this book where the art spans both pages, which is something that, in the in the AMA, uh, was suggested as maybe some something that was would be done differently in the future, like uh, a rookie error. I think it was called. Yeah, but, yeah, I remember reading so this, that. Metal Incarnate in the chat room was noting that in, that on this particular page that we're we're at, there's a mask in the middle that you can't see because it's eaten by the crease. <laughs> so right. and yeah, Greg was not happy about that. I can't blame him. I wouldn't mind owning some of those masks. Those those would be fun to hang on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. If we can figure out what this means, maybe we'll understand the the cosmos. Well, the the big green fox addresses them as my daughters. You know, yep. so I know Vars made the point that maybe the animals are being embodied by the fox god in the previous chapter. So that mm -hmm. is yeah. who is talking to them. There are these weird little descents into into like weird slapstick comedy too <laughs> like what's up with the suddenly the bush is like oh i guess i'm a bush and i can't smell things <laughs> nose doesn't work <laughs> the first thing he said too after getting that body that's some cobra level comedy <laughs> oh well but okay so then we get into the stuff that i say again i feel like i just don't understand what's like okay so it's been so long since we walked this earth, and we're gonna really hurt, we're gonna hear later why the fox god at least kind of opted to stay away from the earth because it, it was kind of dangerous, right? So 
but this this bush fox says our our exile self-imposed so now my question is who are we in that statement who is it that was exiled uh voluntarily because i thought it was just the fox god when we talk about this later that the fox god said all right well look i'll i'll live in exile if you just leave the earth alone that's what i thought but it seems to me that there are multiple people being uh exiled under self-imposition here so i don't know who that is is it well okay so the higher order there are these seven avatars right and so one question i had was are two of those the fox god and the vulture god or are they separate entirely you ask great questions that i just don't have the answer yeah to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> but anyway um so yeah so it's unclear whether uh, it seems like this bush is referring to itself as both our and i you know so it is one of many but i called you together because this is a dark hour well if we go back to the prologue no mm -hmm. yes prologue that's the correct word he is mm -hmm. one of many gods right they refer to themselves as gods in this universe so yeah. The, yeah. the the playing the pronoun game as a god is probably difficult maybe that's true it just hasn't quite mastered pronouns yet <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah are, they um they can skip to where they um they end up well they killing the um, the fox god in order to to get access to be able to travel to pieces of the Agamont. Have we explained the Agamont yet? We haven't mm -hmm. hit that yet. Yeah. Are you referring to something in particular? No, just the whole you, ending. You jumped past it like a major story. You did, <laughs> did yeah. I? You did. Yeah. <laughs> Second, please. Okay. Well, first of all, we have to, we, you know, we can't skip past the fact that that, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the response to this major you know, philosophical discussion with this bush is that, uh, yeah, you know, that, that the creature that we fought was, was kind of, you know, it was kind of foul and it was pretty strong and, and it was gross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe this is the, the comedy page. This is where the nose doesn't work and it's gross. <laughs> and the fox bush spends some panels complaining about the body. Right. <laughs> Cheeky fox god. But okay, yeah, so so it seems like uh right, the seven avatars form the balance of our cosmic energy with the vulture god loose. So this is why I was kinda thinking that maybe the vulture god was one of those things that was uh you know, the cosmic energy repositories. But uh well so yeah, I guess the way I sort of understood this was they're kind of keeping each other in check. You know, that that if they're balanced, then no one of them is winning, in a sense. Yeah. I assume right. that's kind of the idea. And then, you know, so through destroying the Earth, the uh, mankind sort of provided extra power to the Vulture God who, who you know, wants to go and do its Vulture God things now. Right, which led to the creation of Miko, Yoshino, and Seo to bring balance back to the Force. <laughs> as, as part of the metal resistance <laughs> right so they at the as this chapter sort of progresses it does sort of say that the the vulture god is what it, the vulture god is after is stillness silence you know uh and death is the way to get there that seems you know that makes a little bit of sense i guess its hunger only ends when the world does yeah Okay. Any any other? Uh, so we should talk about the uh, the Agamot, like what it did and what it is, and all that. That's that's the next bit that we learn. Any anything up to that? Anyone wanted to say that uh, the fox god can't help because his power would be untamed and dangerous. Did we say that? I did not. Yeah, I found that a little strange, but maybe maybe I, this Agamot yeah, stuff I, will help. But it's sort of like all right, well. This needs to be done, uh, but uh, you, you have to do it by yourself. I can't help. It's like, you know, apparently it yeah. can, like, make bushes talk and people, you know, <laughs> materialize and whatever, but it, it otherwise can't help. 
and I don't understand exactly why it can't help. Yeah, I'm gonna... Um, I think the whole death thing is possible, is can relate to a lot of Bay Metal's music, like Bay Metal Death, and a lot of other things where there's the screaming dude screaming death at you while you're listening to these songs. It's possible that's <laughs> it's possible that's what it could be uh it could relate to, but there is a part that will relate to Bay Metal Death later in the book. Yeah. Okay, so so um the the actual explanation is is coming next in the in a a set of pages that is in a different style. Um which I guess sort of suggests ancient ancient history. So the the fox god just kind of wants to hang out on Earth, see what's going on, and uh, so takes the form of a young woman and kind of concentrates, I guess, its power in this amulet, which is the Agamot. And so it's unclear exactly... Okay, so this Agamot is capable of... The, the existence of this is what sort of allows the fox god not to be seen as a god, but just as, like, some human. That's one thing it says. It also seems to be somehow concentrating or reducing the reach of the power such that the vulture god gets the upper hand because because this, you know, the power is being used to obscure the fox god or something. This all sound right so far? Tracking, yep. yes. yes. All right. So, uh, so I guess the... So she's just hanging out, you know, whatever, uh, partaking in song, dance, and food again. Perhaps these are... References to the actual people we know? I don't know. <laughs> you see food and you think more, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so the Vulture God like takes this opportunity uh, and like does this ambushing attack from afar, which the, the, the sort of while the Fox God is under attack, uh, is unable to sort of revert back to Fox God status, and so is like this weak human, and so like says, no about the shadow on the page where the, where the vulture god comes in, the shadow of the woman is actually in the shape of a fox with a tail. An interesting piece of artwork that I noticed. Ah, uh, yes. How true. That is something I did not notice. I did not notice that. Well, I, um, I, yeah. And the vulture has two sets of wings for some reason in this scene. <laughs> yeah. There was, yeah, there was something. Well, maybe that's supposed to convey motion. I don't know. Maybe I could see that. I didn't really perceive it that way though at first. Yeah, but yeah. So so the fox god is like under under attack and can't turn back to god form to defend itself, and so uses the agamot in a way it was never intended. And so at this point, it's it's somewhat mysterious. But so the way I kind of understand this thing is a little bit like my understanding of what a horcrux is. <laughs> Does that seem right? You know, I, I have. Close. I put that word in my notes. Agamat <laughs> equals Horcrux. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's somehow it's somehow containing the essence of the fox god, and what what the fox god did with it is essentially like unleash it in some way that grabbed a bunch of the essence of the vulture god, but also like a bunch of like innocent bystanders as well. <laughs> Thousands and, of souls in the village. Yeah. Yes. I have a conspiracy that we could bring up. Okay. Um, so it ripped off. I'd have to jump into like chapter four, I believe, where the vulture god, mm -hmm. they, with the cave and all that. The, the vulture, they, they didn't show if the vulture god was dead. We see its arm right in front of the third, one, the second piece of the Agamont. Was that representation of maybe they took away one third of the vulture god's soul whenever he was attacked with agamont and he got to gets to keep that piece of it because one third of it was him yeah you know this i i wondered about that too i mean like we can we can talk about that when we get there but that was my interpretation of that that picture was at first that the vulture god got it after all except it doesn't that doesn't feel like that's what it's leading up to like yeah maybe, like my second impression of that was that maybe that was actually the, like the talons of the owl, but it doesn't really look like it. It really does look like what you'd expect the vulture gods 
I, I flipped back and forth a couple times to reference. I, I'm fully convinced it was the Vulture God that was laying there, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, Page is flipping furiously. <laughs> yeah. But we can... I mean, so, so we, we know... We come back to this. Yeah, at this point, no, none of the pieces have been recovered. Yes. Well... <laughs> We're still in Chapter 2, folks. Yeah. <laughs> but... Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the confusion is here because I'm just I've been silent because I've been rereading. The Agamite ripped into the soul of the Vulture and took a part of its life force with it. The Vulture had been defeated, but at a tremendous cost. So I I read this whole thing as we're getting backstory here, as you know the the Fox God was doing his thing on Earth, hiding using the Agamite to conceal his identity and I don't know hold his power in a water bottle until he needed it again. Um, Vulture God saw that as an opportunity to attack the only way to save the world was to use the agamont in an unconventional way which defeated the vulture god um you know and, and if you look at you know other mythological battles where gods fight each other it's a pretty common theme throughout history where gods will defeat each other but not really kill each other the, the god doesn't go away it just gets i don't know and it's shoved in the corner. Shoved in the corner, or like Godzilla gets sent back into the ocean for another hundred years or gets whatever. Trapped in the underground for many, many yeah. years. Yeah, banished. <laughs> banished is a good word for however long, um, etc. You know, but at great cost. And that's what it's so, talking about when the Agamite is destroyed. Well, so what I what I my my interpretation of this was that that you know so first of all the Agamite is capable of holding power or souls or something like that, and that it at the point before it was broken, uh, contained part of the fox god, part of the vulture god due to its use, and a bunch of these, like, innocent bystander souls. <laughs> and so the fox god said, all right, well, like, this worked out poorly. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna break this up so that we can't get the power back out. So the fox god is weaker, but so is the vulture god. Due to, yes. due to the fact that part of it is in this agamot, which has been broken up to broken up and distributed across time in order to avoid anyone getting it back. Right, because the the consequence of using his power through the Agamot while the Fox God was hiding on Earth is what was responsible for the thousands of souls being absorbed and all kinds of bad things happening. Right. So shattered into three pieces and set throughout time. Thanos, Thanos Minor. Is it... Is the... During the scene, is the fox god? The fox god's telling the three to go destroy this, correct? And that's the whole setup for this scene, for this scene, chapter. Yeah, well, so right, that's the, the next page. Is is that you know, like very next page? Yes. So I offered my exile. Uh, I offered my exile in exchange for mankind's safety. So that was the thing I was referring to before. Like, you know, <laughs> that sounds like one thing being exiled, and I don't know who this deal was being made with. The anyway, where says, "What if we fail? Then we will forever be lost in time, and darkness will reign." That's kind of I find that kind of interesting to think about. Maybe they uh, does that set up a scene for reincarnation of the same three people, just in different forms, or is it totally different people with each chapter? It's so in the AMA they did talk a little bit about this. I mean, so one thing that they mentioned was the idea that none of these people like this is not something that it's not sort of the same people going through different time periods like they don't they don't have memories of the other things that they did i didn't think right? so so but... it's not it's not because i think in the ama they were referring to quantum leap you know <laughs> and it's not it's not like they just jump between times it's no. it's different people but like reincarnations was... of, the, of the original souls that the fox god created Potentially, or or maybe actually just sort of occupation of sure, you know, yeah. existing people in the time. That's how I interpreted it. Occupation is the perfect word. That was my interpretation of the moving through time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because it's, you know, it says in this chapter that, or at least it implies that these three girls are going back in time or they're fighting through time. I guess forward in time from when the story takes place. Otherwise, how would they get lost in time? Right. Yeah. 
I think it's true that this this stuff at the end of this chapter is it's a little strange because it does it does sort of seem like these three actual individuals are the ones who are going to go on to become you know the metal resistance right and there's a lot of like shininess and chanting of death (laughs) (laughs) yes i it's interesting you brought up quantum leap because that's how i interpreted it as going through this book from here on out and i you know i guess if you don't paul and i are kind of old so if you don't know understand the (laughs) reference it it was a show from many moons ago where somebody literally went right back in time and occupied the bodies of people he was it was a scientist gone wrong and he was trying to find his way back home something like that right could be i to be honest even though i am sufficiently old i had never really watched it (laughs) okay sure the the basic premise is the same this this guy ends up traveling through going back in time but occupying the bodies of people in that time so everybody around them isn't the wiser. So they're not appearing as themselves. They're just appearing they don't as ap- others. Correct. They don't appear as themselves. They appear as who they are embodying. Right. Understood. So that that's how I interpreted how they were moving through time going forward in the book. Yeah, although I think there is a thing which we will we'll get to sort of soon, but it might fit in to mention here. Which is in the battle in the next chapter, um, is actually they go through that in a sort of a cursory way. Like there's a battle and it's like whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, but meanwhile they're just sort of there's this like background thought, like this battle has happened before, you know. I I don't know when, but you know, and it's not it's not comforting that it's familiar, but but this seems familiar. And I interpreted that to be kind of an indication that they don't actually have a memory of the thing that they did in the previous chapter or chapters mm-hmm. but there's still this kind of like sense like you know this this is something that we've done before like we Deja know how vu. this battle goes i don't quite understand the significance of the bear and the monkey going eep at the end of this either but <laughs> apparently the bear steps on whatever's left of the fox god <laughs> <laughs> all right and uh as teased at the beginning we're going to stop it there uh to be resumed in the next episode so episode five will contain the rest of this discussion uh, about the baby metal graphic novel and so that's it for this episode you can join us on the baby metal podcast discord to continue the conversation rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen to will help people find it so please do that we'll be back here soon because we already recorded the next episode Uh, but we're usually in every two weeks and we hope you'll join us we will announce it when that is to happen again and until then see you